The promise of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician. And she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and postpartisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, here's your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. Integrity is a hallmark of how I've managed my long business career. Most of the time, my sense of honesty is the best policy was appreciated by my bosses, my teammates, and my customers and clients. Sometimes the customer didn't want to hear the truth. I remember each of those situations and the consequences very well. As Jonah Goldberg pointed out in his G letter of March 13th, sometimes vindication doesn't feel as good as you thought it would. And I've had more than one of those opportunities over the last many years. And in this case, as we in the epicenter of the California outbreak of coronavirus epidemic are learning, vindication is of little comfort as we hunker down in our homes and wait for the next bulletin. With every announcement of increased case numbers, now about 250 in Santa Clara County, with two deaths, unfortunately, Well, with every announcement, we expect further restrictions on movement. Welcome to the Reimagine America Radio Hour. I'm a businesswoman, not a politician. I solve problems, I don't make them. One of the ways I've minimized the times that I found myself on the wrong side of a problem was the simple maxim everyone on my teams knew and practiced. It was a technique I also taught my adult son, who ruefully but regularly complains he has never learned how to lie about something and get away with it. Mom's patting herself on the back. But having stolen my own thunder, on day one of any orientation for a new employee or team member, I explained my simple management philosophy. I trust people to be both honest and ethical. So don't lie to me and don't try to hide stuff in hopes that you can fix it before I find out. Because inevitably, see what I said above, my trust in you will lead me to find out you lied and or flubbed and tried to hide it from me. Because if I know there's a problem, I can manage it to minimize the fallout. This only fails when I get surprised, and thus my management gets surprised as well. Understanding there are consequences to lying to me, I will never, depending on the severity, fully trust you again. In fact, I may not trust you at all again, and that will be career limiting to you rather than to me. Because the people I report to know that I won't lie to them, although they may sometimes force me to lie for them. And I always tell them that if they need me to, we say it euphemistically in business, cover for them, 
they should let me know that in advance so that I won't contradict them by accident. And boy, are we now seeing that in the media this day, these days, and it's to the nation's peril. The novel coronavirus is not a political problem. Nothing less than human life is at stake and the actual health of our economy. Yes, lives are at stake and lives are not a political problem. Yet the president still treats it as though it was a political problem. He treated the first warnings in December from Fort Detrick, where our intelligence services maintain a seven by 24, 365 year after year pandemic outlook organization. And in December, they suspected what was going on in Wuhan, China, and they notified the director of national intelligence. And he was afraid to brief Congress or anyone else, fearing that it would upset the president. The president would be angry if the director of national intelligence told the truth. And thus he said nothing. And let me tell you that a lie of omission is just as catastrophic and just as vile as the lie of commission. But the president's still treating this as a political problem. Yes, he's, he's announced a national emergency on Friday, but let's go back and think for just a moment about his Oval Office performance on March 11th, and then his walk to the microphone on March 13th. When the president is talking, we know it's happy talk. That's my euphemism in this situation for lying. He lied about testing, quote, for everyone who needs a test can get a test. He lied about that three weeks ago, two weeks ago, one week ago, and he lied about it again on Friday, March 13th. I guess Donald Trump missed the world history class on the Ides of March way back in high school, and there is some incredible irony in that omission. The Ides of March, if you don't remember, is when Brutus stabbed Caesar in the Roman Senate. And it's forever been and started a revolution and we forever referred to it as a very dangerous time for politicians, the Ides of March. And as of March 15th, we now have a public health task force out of the Department of Health and Human Services, who is this time promising 1.9 million tests this week. They all were wearing Coast Guard uniforms. They all got paraded in the White House briefing room, but we will see if they deliver 1.9 million tests this week. The president has claimed success for travel restrictions that have come too late to be effective and have been phased in and couldn't even be explained in a televised Oval Office address. Admiral, and I'm going to uh, apologize if I pronounce this wrong, Gigwar from the U.S. Public Health Service fessed up on a, you know, on a rare Sunday White House brief um, on a, on a rare Sunday White House press briefing, 
that the Friday parade of major retailers signing on to do drive-through testing in their parking lots is at this point just another mirage. That program began 48 hours ago with a White House summons for those CEOs. And how did it get started? That's a tale of some humor. Well, how did it get started? You've heard of Jared Kushner. Yes, yes, Jared is now at the helm of the crisis response. That alone could give you fever-like chills. Anyway, the story goes that Jared contacted the father of his sister-in-law. Now, it happens that the father is an ER doctor. You know, the dream of every Jewish mother is not that their son will become a real estate develop developer or a White House lackey, but that indeed they will become a doctor. Anyway, I digress. That doctor consulted with his Facebook friends for ideas Jared could offer to the president. That's how Target and uh, CVS, et cetera, got, in, got drug into the White House on Friday because Jared cold called some of those CEOs uh, to invite them to the White House. And, you know, the fact is that they have both interest and capability. So that was good going, Jared. But making anything of these little trips past the microphone on Friday, that is now all of a sudden an emergency over the weekend job of the public health service. And it's quite clear that they don't already have their hands around it because their hands are full with a pandemic. In a competent White House driven by science and not re-election politics, drive, driven by a mercurial chief executive to boot, you know what? The person giving direction on what we need to do to flatten the curve of this epidemic is, would be someone like Anthony Fauci. Or the president would, would appoint a real corona czar. I guess Mike Pence is falling into that role. And you know, the most important person in making it all happen, the guy who could say and enforce, you heard the man, get on with it, would be the White House Chief of Staff. And we all know that right now, we don't have an effective White House Chief of Staff. I mean, Mark Meadows has not started the job and Mick Mulvaney has not really given it up. They're sitting there side by side with not a clue on what needs to be done next because they lack the experience. Now, a competent White House chief of staff wouldn't have had to go ask a Facebook group. They would have recognized that Walgreens, CVS, Walmart, all of whom have these little minute clinics, would could be a part of the mass effort that we need now to test people so that we can figure out the size and scope of what we are dealing with. And we'd be weeks ahead of where we are now. Just a mirage. And then there is my favorite fib of Friday. 
the Google site that is going to give us all the facts and information about what we need to do. On Friday, the 13th of March, we were shown a diagram of how the Google Coronavirus Help Tool is going to put help at every citizen's fingertips by Sunday. Wow, it looks so simple and straightforward as the president was announcing it on Friday the 13th, that that site would be up by Sunday. And everyone who met the criteria, you know, by going through the yes, no questions could be directed to their nearest target parking lot to get their test. It was only an hour later that Google sent out a press announcement saying, wait a minute. A small company within the Google Parent Alphabet Holding Company was in the, quote, early development stages, end quote, of a tool that would be available only in the hard-hit epicenter of the Bay Area. And perhaps, potentially, they might later be able to roll it out to other impacted areas in the country. On Sunday, March 15th, Mike Pence said the early rollout to the Bay Area where it is certainly needed. My phone would stop ringing so much if people didn't need clarification every hour. <clears throat> might be that we might roll it out by, he said, Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> oh, Google has hundreds of engineers working on it, they claim. Google asked for volunteers. Um, and well, while I'm sure a lot of Google people are working on it, that Monday or Tuesday rollout is just a prayer. And in this case, praying, praying like that is just a lie. Because developing a website of this complexity, and it is very, very complicated. I thought about it over the weekend, and I kind of thought about how you would have to put all these pieces together and so while you can have a really good overall design and architecture, you're going to then have several distinct teams working in tandem to execute a really good design so that when those teams' pieces need to be reassembled within the architecture, it all comes together. And once it's assembled, it has to be tested to the max before you ever roll it out, even to the smallest user population, because wrong answers can cost lives. And we all know the more complicated the logic, the more coding problems there will be. And that's compounded by the integration if you have many development teams working in tandem, and I think that's the only way you could deliver this in a short period of time. The more I think about the complexity of programming and the flexibility that will be required to deal with changing symptoms, changing locations, changing providers, this is a huge deal. We should all be really grateful to Google where the expertise lives to undertake this challenge. And if it is successful, it will have long-term benefits far beyond this crisis because it can be integrated into the web environments of every major um, healthcare provider in the country. Think Kaiser, think um, Sutter, think uh, Mayo, think Cleveland Clinic. And it, it can help millions of people. 
and it can help now and it can help in any other potential pandemic. But don't expect it to happen fast or is as in a couple of days. You know, you can make a PowerPoint drawing really quick, but I got to tell you, it can take a year from that PowerPoint drawing to actually putting a system in place that would would deal effectively with this problem. We can probably do it sooner, I'll call it version one, to cover the Bay Area and it will it will put a lot of people at ease if we can do that. But we've got to also have, Google can't do the other half. Google can't deliver the testing and that's fundamental to solving this problem. And then this latest travel ban of closing Europe to, you know, Europe, Europeans to America comes several weeks too late, at least two weeks. I mean, it should have happened as soon as we had Italian exposure. Instead, we brought back all of these college kids who were um, studying in Spain and Italy where the outbreaks are biggest, and we did nothing. We said, welcome home into the arms of their parents. And the way in which this was announced on Wednesday night, you know, a poor Oval Office address is in itself a lie to the American people. But the way that it was, the way that it was announced left Americans in Europe thinking they had 48 hours to get home or they wouldn't be allowed back in the country for at least 30 days. So what's the result? We keep talking about social distancing, but there, these flights were packed. People were packed in every single seat on an airplane. And that was followed over this weekend by hours, hours spent in crowded airline terminals. If you saw any of the pictures, it looked like somebody trying to get into the Super Bowl at the last second. I mean, there were people backed up in hallways for hours and hours, shoulder to shoulder. Talk about not using social distancing. So if a passenger wasn't potentially carrying the disease when they boarded the plane or arrived at one of the 13 hub airports in the United States, they likely had an exposure to community spread while standing in line to have their health status checked before being allowed to board domestic flights to every single airport in the country. Now I ask you, what could go wrong with hordes of people who've been exposed to COVID-19 spreading it around uh, among themselves in an airport terminal? Think about Chicago or Atlanta, and then boarding a domestic flight to anywhere USA. You know, they said on Sunday, March 15th, that West Virginia was the only state in the union not to have a single diagnosed case of novel corona well, it won't stay that way for long after the colossal mismanagement of the repatriation of Americans from Europe. Now compare that repatriation, yes, there were more people, to the approach used to repatriate Americans from China. The disconnect is inexplicable, if not obvious. And so I won't take this moment to be politically incorrect. And as a result, 
the CDC announced guidelines for the entire United States. They are saying for the next two months, countries should not allow gatherings of more than 50 people anywhere in the USA. And while the guideline was offered by the CDC, we've not heard yet heard the White House spin, and I'm sure there will be spin. Devin Nunez was on Fox News. Take that back. Fox is not news. He was on Fox today saying, you know, restaurants are not crowded. You should go to a restaurant. Which is kind of the opposite of what the CDC is saying. You know, when you've got a crisis, the natural instinct is to listen to rumor and maybe and 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 get confused when you hear all these rumors as to what is fact and what is not fact and so honesty honesty from the white house briefing room is the only policy at this moment of crisis the American people can handle the truth. When the times get tough, the American people are among, are, are the best at standing shoulder to shoulder and doing what needs to be done. But you gotta tell them the truth and the message must be consistent because only the truth is going to flatten the curve of infection until either a treatment or a vaccine or both can be developed and tested. And I can say, hmm, maybe I should correct myself and say until one or both can be tested because there are now several at the National Institute of Health for preliminary testing right now. But shh, don't tell anyone in the White House or they'll promise it for Friday, March 20th delivery. The reality is that best case, a vaccine's a year from now. That may be a drug that can help to shorten the course and the severity of the infection may be a few months before that. Now, the good news is that fewer and fewer people are listening to the president's happy talk. And they're having increased confidence in their governors, their mayors, and in our world-class medical professionals. And that's important because lies that are patently untruths erode trust in the institutions of our government. You know, there's an old adage in business to under-promise and over-deliver. In this crisis, the Trump White House has done consistently just the opposite. They keep promising it's here, a test, a solution, a vaccine, a couple of months, blah, 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 a new tool to tell you if where to go and get treat, treatment, blah, blah, blah. You know what's going to happen? It not only erodes trust in the institutions of our government, it will cause unnecessary deaths. The American people 
are much more likely to flatten the curve of infection and to speed the recovery from the inevitable economic side effects of this pandemic if the president would just sit quietly on the side of the White House briefing dais and say nothing. The mark of a great leader is the ability to give all the credit to the team. Their success will shed light on your great leadership, not the reverse. Don't take my word for that. The Dow and S&P were losing points every moment the president was at the podium on Friday, March 13th. The late afternoon rally started the moment he sat down and the CEOs of various and impacted companies started to take the stage. I know that's true because I was watching it on a split screen and the market could not have sent a clearer signal. It doesn't trust a word, the president says. There are some wonderful and sincere experts on this team. We should be grateful for people like Admiral Gregoire. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sure I'm mangling that, but I think he gets the message. But we should be grateful for people like him, for people like Anthony Fauci, the director of infectious disease, probably the world's leading expert on infectious disease, who has tried to do, to triangulate, to tell the truth, to not incite panic, and to not get on the wrong side of the president while doing the other two legs. And, you know, the country owes him the Medal of Freedom, at least for his efforts. So we should stop hobbling these really smart professionals, but stop hobbling them with happy talk. And then send Jared Kushner home to self-quarantine with his wife, who is in self-quarantine as a result of exposure to the disease. Jarrett's fix-it skills have repeatedly devolved into memes. And this situation is way too serious and way too complicated for on-the-job training. The American people can handle the truth. We know we have experts who can help us to manage the truth. Stop the rumors, stop the lies, because they are inciting panic. And we can save lives if everyone listens to the truth, hears the truth, understands it is the truth, and offers the guidelines our healthcare professionals are offering. We'll be back later in the week to talk about some of the democratic nonsense and the interesting elevation of Mark Meadows. Thanks for listening to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. You can learn more at reimagineamerica.org. Got a comment or an idea for a future show? Email Joyce at reimagineamerica.org or find her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy or at Reimagine Radio. Take a minute now and go to reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you love the podcast, donate and tell others. You can invite Joyce to speak at your next meeting or conference through reimagineamerica.org. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at ricochet.com 
or c-sweetnetwork.com. That's c-sweetnetwork.com. Together, we really can reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.